1: Hello and welcome to the Tifo Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine and uh, today we've got a special episode uh, in which I spoke to Paul Smith, the, uh, the frontman, lead singer extraordinaire of uh, the English band Maximo Park. Now, many of you who are my age will be uh, familiar with Maximo Park. They're a great band of the indie uh, genre, I suppose you would call, but with uh, wide-ranging influences, I think. Um, Fantastic music. Uh, They have a new album out in February called Nature Always Wins, uh, which um, they were kind enough to send me, uh, and I've been listening to it pretty much non-stop uh, for the last few weeks. It's great. It's really, really good. So if you're a fan of Maximo Park or if you're a fan of, of indie music, uh, then you should um, you should probably listen to this album. It's really, really, um, yeah, it's really fantastic. So we talk about that a little bit, but Paul is also a huge, great big football fan, uh, was a striker as a, as, a, as, a, as a player in his youth, and I, I think that he, he still plays Seven Aside occasionally now as well. So we talk about that relationship between football and music, something we've touched on in, in a few other recent episodes we talk about his dad who who wasn't you know really a huge football fan but did did attend games with him his experiences as a as a young person attending football games and the relationship uh, you know now between football and um, finance as well Paul, as a Middlesbrough fan, describes himself uh, as an easygoing neutral as it relates to to Premier League games, and it sounds like he watches a game a day. So he's a bit of a fanatic, which is um, which is great. And I found it to be a delightful conversation. Uh, so thanks to Paul for uh, participating. This is—I know we've done a couple of music ones recently. This is uh, sort of the third and final one for now, as part of a, a small little mini series. Um, and uh, you'll probably notice we've been on a bit of a break from talking about the football. That's largely because lots of people have been on on holiday. Christmas is coming up. The festive calendar is a little too um, chaotic for us to be able to to cover in any in any depth or be able to keep up with. Basically, by the time. We are able to record an episode. Uh, there's already been another game, uh, so it's it, it's a bit it's a bit has problematic for us at this time of year. Um, so we're away for the rest of this week and uh, Christmas week and for and for the week after. But as of January, we'll be back and we'll be talking about the football with Seb and Alex and some guests. Um, so uh, we look forward to doing that as well. Um, and I'll be back at the uh, the end of the episode to uh, to wish you all uh, happy holidays and to say a quick farewell. Um, But for now, let me remind you that uh, if you are still looking for gifts for this year, if you've realised that uh, the stuff you've purchased you can no longer take with you due to travel restrictions, or perhaps you're... uh, You know, you're in London on your own at Christmas or any of the other tier four areas. Uh, Something that might perk you up is that you can get a buy one gift one deal on a subscription to The Athletic, which is my favourite kind of gift. Uh, As I said before, it's like buying concert tickets for someone. Uh, You know, they get a gift but also you do too. And that's the best kind of gift. So uh, if you're interested in football and you want to uh, read the, the the wonderful array of work that The Athletic has available, you can do so and get something good out of it by giving a subscription or gifting a subscription to someone else as well as you getting your own uh, for the price of one. So visit theathletic.com forward slash TIFO to participate or partake in that. Uh, benefit, as Paul Smith from today says that he has done. Not the buy one, gift one deal, but he's a subscriber, which is cool as hell. So, for now, I shall leave you in the cool hands and the very warm embrace of Paul Smith of Maximo Park.
2: Wait for the very loud siren. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm up in my attic, away from my four-year-old daughter, who's quite excitable at this time of year.
1: <laughs> right. I was going to ask actually if you had um, if you had kids, because I've been I've been listening to to the new album, which I really really love. By the way, I've Thank I've you. pretty much had it on non-stop since your <laughs> sent it to me. Uh, but it sounds. I d- I don't really know that much about your life, but it sounds like a lot of the songs are written for or written about, uh, your kids?
2: Yes. Yeah, no, that is, that is, um, that's the, that's the funny thing. We've written the album and, um, you know, you want to write it for everybody, but you're also, you know, you're trying to write about yourself and that's certainly for in our, in our music, in our musical life, that's something that we've aimed for. And but yeah, you don't want to exclude anybody, and you know, I, I didn't know I was going to have kids, and there's lots of people I know without kids, and you, you know, you try and, you know, write about the uh, write about parenthood, but also you don't want to alienate people and make it too insular. So I'm glad I'm glad you've picked up on it, but you still, you know, it's just there.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I, I was thinking about that when I was listening to it. <clears throat> Um, and I'm, I was wonder I was going to ask whether that is something that you think about. I don't have kids and i I didn't feel isolated from it so hopefully that's a, that's a good <laughs> thing. Um, also because I was thinking like a lot of the songs they f- they feel like um, so, well not all of them, but some of them feel like love songs even if they're yeah. about about your kids and like that it struck me that that you know structurally poetically works almost entirely the same it doesn't really matter whether it's a romantic interest or if it's yeah exactly. familial love.
2: Yeah. I mean, I've, it, even when we, we first started writing songs, um, I tried not to have too many he's and she's in it. And, yeah. um, I, you know, I didn't, I, as I said, I just don't, I don't like closing people off, but I also, I don't like wishy-washy bland songs. So it's a, you know, it's a kind of fine balance, I suppose.
1: Yeah. So did, did you, presumably you grew up as a, as a football fan, Paul?
2: I did. Yeah. Um Fairly obsessed with football. If if you ask people who are around me, um, generally, generally, you know, like the other day, for example, um, there's the, it was the uh, Sheffield United against Man United Thursday night match. Yeah. After two other days and of, of watching football, and you know there was other games on, and I said to my wife, "I've only actually watched a fraction of the football that's on." <laughs> um, even though I've been watching a game a night, you know, I didn't watch the six o'clock matches. <laughs> I didn't say that to her, but that, you know, we put our daughter to bed at seven and obviously, you know, you have your tea uh, and family time and all that kind of stuff. And I was, I was just saying, you know, just so you know, this is, I could be watching more um, and, and my wife likes football. That's the, that's the funny thing, but I'm, yeah, I'm the kind of person who's just scrolling through the BBC sport app on the bus or, you know, trying to find if I'm away on tour, I'm trying to find a, an Irish bar somewhere in uh, in Luxembourg, trying to find, find find whatever's whatever's on just to get it, kind of have that um, that contact. And especially being a Borough fan, you know, I feel like that allows me the flexibility to be a complete neutral when it comes to the, you know, the Premier League most of the time <laughs> since Middlesbrough. Haven't been there for a while, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm the kind of classic neutral. I build up little narratives in my mind, um, which <laughs> allows me allows me to think, you know, whatever the result, it'll be great. You know, like I was watching the um, the Man United against Leeds game yesterday, and you know, I, I, I was thinking, well, if, if Leeds win, it'll be funny because Man United, uh, you know, so up and down, and everybody's on their backs. But also, you know, everybody's talking about Leeds being this incredible team that's come up and swept the Premier League out of its way, which isn't necessarily true, certainly statistically. And I just thought, you know, it'd be really funny if they get thumped. And then if it's a if it's a three or three or four all draw, spectacular game. Again, I I go home happy. So even though I'm at home already, um, so yeah, it, I'm I'm I am the sort of person who I mean I've got an athletic subscription i'm the sort of person who is listening listening with my ear to the ground for transfer rumors and then kind of you know thinking well if that happens then so and so move on here and you know it's just it's 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 as football um especially with the kind of coverage and the media coverage that there is these days you can you can go deep and a lot of i, I tried fantasy football one year but i don't think i talked to my family very much so um it was time to it was time to knock that on the head.
1: <laughs> Have you found that this year you've you've sort of engaged with it more, or used it more as a as a form of of escapism from? I mean, what is you know maybe a lot of monotony most of the time as a result of the pandemic, or, or is this just normal behaviour for you?
2: Uh, it is sadly normal, and the fact that it's now on you know on uh, on different channels all the time because there's no crowds, I'm actually watching more of it. Um, you know, before I could I could justify it especially since having a daughter, um, you know, I used to go to the, the pub on a Sunday just by myself because um, a friend of mine, I, I used to watch the football with every, every Sunday, Moved back home after university. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't mind watching football if it's, if it's a good match um, in a kind of solitary way with a pint of Coke and, Crisps at halftime. <laughs> um, I am a sad. I'm a sad individual. It has to be said.
1: <laughs> no, it sounds pretty good to me. I think that's fine. Um, so, what was the the first game of football you ever you ever went
2: to? It was uh, Middlesbrough at home to Watford, and um, it was must have been I think 1989, possibly. Um, oh. We maybe 1990. I'm not sure. I used to listen to it a lot on the the radio because. Um, my dad's not massively into football or anything and we didn't, you know, it's, it's obviously it's very expensive to go to games more so these days. So, um, I didn't really go to the games and I was, I was kind of too young to go by myself. So I would just listen. I caught the bug, um, in the playground playing football and everybody was talking about Middlesbrough they you know, they had a, a, it was, it's, it was at the local team. I'm, I'm from a small town called Billingham. Um, and you know, I could have supported Billingham Synthony, And again, if my dad had been (laughs) more into football, I might've been, you know, going to non-league games, uh, every now and then I'll go to a non-league game up here and just, you know, if there's, if there's, um, a spare Saturday. Um, but yeah, and at at that point it was just listening to TFM or BBC tees or whatever it might've been just broadcasting the matches and the borough were actually, um, they were Right in, right in the uh, in the thick of administration, when I first became kind of aware of the the borough, um, and it was 1986, I think, and the the gates to Hull um, to Erson Park had been locked, and it was always on the telly. And then, as I got a little bit older, I started listening to the to the games, and we got promoted to the. Um, to the, the old Division One after a playoff battle with Chelsea, and it was the the old format where the, rele- the about to be relegated team would play the about to be promoted team in a sort of battle to the death, which we we should probably have more of these days. Well, I think but, they wanted uh, to
1: wanted to bring it back. That was part one of the suggestions of the uh, project big picture. I think was that kind of playoff loser ah, versus was winner. It? That's, yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting.
2: That's interesting because it was you know it was there was a lot at stake as there always is with these things, you know, it's often called the, the, the premier, the want to get at the premier league is always supposed to be the most lucrative match around the world to get, to get up. Um, and obviously, yeah, listening at home, being a sort of being new to football, not even necessarily thinking about the, uh, the monotony <laughs> of, of day-to-day life that we find ourselves in, uh, in, in the championship. Um, although that's changing at the moment uh we're having a good season at the moment but yeah it was a very exciting time to be a borough fan but the game the first game i went to we lost 2-1 and i'd actually won the tickets on the local radio station by answering a question fastest on the phones um wow. and so it was, it was super exciting just to be at the ground but also to have won the competition and you know i had to i think i borrowed my Cousin Peter's suit to go into the lounge. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the Dickens lounge. Dickens was a, a large uh, DIY store, local DIY store that sponsored Millsboro. Um, And we, my, my dad and I, um, we, we were entered into a sweep for the, uh, the first scorer and we got Simon Coleman, who I think was the left back. And we thought, well, you know, this is bad luck. And sure enough, Simon Coleman scored the first goal, won the sweep. Middlesbrough lost <laughs> again. Lessons were learned uh, for the future. Um, and the, after the game, that the 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 borough we were supposed to meet the borough players, but none of them wanted to to come and meet anybody because they'd lost in a disappointing midweek game uh, against Watford. And um, whilst so, whilst kind of just about to leave, I think after having our um, volavons or whatever, um, bumped into Colin Cooper, one of the nicest people in football, um, who was injured that day and he had his club suit on and was drifting around. And I got a photo with him, um, chuffed in me, in me sort of ski jacket at the tail end of the early, early, early nineties, tail end of the eighties. And it was just, I mean, it was, it was so magical that I still, I still think about the, you know, walking down the cobbles Um, in the center of Middlesbrough, you know, the, the, the old Ayrson Park was in the middle of the, the town. Um, and you know, the floodlights coming on, I still get that kind of the, again, sad person that I am. Um, I still get that kind of buzz if I'm going to play seven aside or whatever, you know, getting on the bus, getting, getting out, um, at your stop and walking down the street, seeing the floodlights come into, into view, um, and getting on the AstroTurf and destroying your knees for, virtually no reason. Um, and yeah, it's, it's all of that was probably put into place by that, that first trip.
1: Mm. Well, I was going to, I was going to say you brought up your, your dad and said he wasn't not a huge football fan. I, I wanted to understand that, that, dynamic if um if that's all right because i'm i'm very interested in, in people um going to football with their with their dads or, or even their mums for example but um if he wasn't he wasn't a huge fan he was there he was part of your your first experience um yeah. has it has it sort of impacted football Has it football impacted your, your relationship with him at all did you do any bonding as a result of it or or or, or not Virtually he's not a really big fan yeah. <laughs> so how does that work um, when you when you're chatting to other people because it's a very common thing isn't it
2: it is it's it's um it, it's it's strange because my dad actually is more into football now, and and um, especially with the, all the, the the games being on at the moment. Um, they don't have Sky or whatever, but you know you can. We think we've both got access to Beat Esports, and he's now WhatsApping me, going, "Hey, are you watching this game?" And um, it's 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 strange how it how it kind of works out because um, he was you know, if I really, really wanted to, to go to a game and I'd saved up the money, he would come with us, of course. Um, but our, our friends, I think my brother's friend, um, Stephen Dennis, he was well into football. Him. Yeah. I think his brother was in my, in my year or the year above and him, they, they would both go to the, the football with their dads. And so I would go along with Stephen Dennis and his dad, um, and by the fanzine and stuff so I, I i was just tagging along really um i would just get sort of dropped off by my mum and dad get into get into their car and just go off in the in the rain or whatever um straight to the ground and um i think my uncle joe i think he took me to a couple of games i think he might have taken me to um there was Stephen pears's testimonial our old goalkeeper and it was against man united and mark hughes was playing and i was a big fan of mark hughes uh, being a sort of i was a striker for the school football team so that idea of holding the ball up and the kind of unselfish work that mark hughes had done so i had i had all these kind of conversations with um not only my dad when he when he took me but also sort of anybody who was going random people um and also like my auntie annette and and uh, her partner Mickey, they took me along to quite a few games and my friend Neil had a season ticket with his um his mum and his sister. And when his sister didn't go, for whatever reason, I would go along in and sit next to my pal Neil, who I, I still, you know, still am in touch with about the borough. And then as I got older, you know, there'd be all, all sorts of friends, my again, I'm I'm still really good friends with a couple of the lads that I grew up with in Billingham, my friend Ben and me, my friend Neil, and we'll still go at the games, you know, and, and living in Newcastle ever since I, I went to university up here, I've always, you know, cherished that kind of, um, that little trip back because it's, you know, I would get on the bus. I've, I only, I only, only learned to drive four years ago when my daughter was born. Um, so you know, I would get on the bus, spend an hour on an hour and 20 minutes or whatever on the X-10 or on the train. And, you know, it would be so exciting to meet up with me, with me pals. And obviously the, the whole, um, the whole experience of going to, to watch a team like Middlesbrough, um, who are a bit, bit of a, a yo-yo club is, is, you know, the, the results aren't necessarily going to be <laughs> what you want. But most of the time, uh, or, or the, you know. Like when we were when we had Gordon Strachan as the manager, you know, it, the it was hard to watch, um, and you would go along, and it, it would be more about what the guy in front is saying when he's you know swearing his head off about something that you know is entirely ridiculous and that you you completely disagree with, and you know me and me and me pals will just be sort of looking at each other and laughing, and you know getting a getting a palm oil, before the before um, a mini palmo before the game um which is a, a middlesbrough delicacy which is kind of slightly cliched now um but all those all those things are, are very much about yeah kind of building relationships with people and um and and being part of that bigger thing you know of a crowd and everybody's sort of pulling the same way apart from the guy in front of you who is, was you know booing the best player or whatever um you know it, it's it's yeah, it's that's what that's one pretty much the main reason you go as well as uh, obviously the football and if if it goes well it just elevates you elevates you day and night.
1: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night.
0: Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: As you were talking before, I was thinking about... Um a few different like day trips I went on as a child with one of my friends and and their parents, and it, it's a totally different thing, isn't it, than going somewhere with your parents? I, I imagine like going to the football with, obviously you with with an adult and you're safe and whatever, but that that it's not one of your parents adds a level of uh, I don't know mystery and risk to it a little bit, which I imagine informed your relationship with uh, with that with that yeah quite a lot.
2: Well, you know, I, I, we were mostly sat in the sort of family areas. Um, but there was quite a few occasions as well, where we were in the, the old Holgate end, um, which was the, you know, the, the proper fans, ultra fans or whatever you want to call them, hardcore fans. Um, and you would hear all sorts of stories of people going to the toilet in, uh, <laughs> whilst, whilst stood up, uh, on the back of other people, uh, or whatever. And you know, the violence that we grew up with, um, as, as, kind of child of the eighties, you know, seeing the sort of different, um, aspects of, of football hooliganism and also the kind of the authorities, um, over the top way of managing it and the kind of the cages that you used to be in with the fences. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of part of the, um, that, that kind of mystery and, um, edge to proceedings, you know, there's everybody, who not everybody who goes to the football is, going to be, you know, your pal. (laughs) It's a wide, it's a wide kind of cross-section of, of, of football. You know, football fans are a kind of wider cross-section. And obviously these days, you know, the higher up you are, the, the more uh, sort of refined it is. And, you know, it's, it's more expensive. It's, it's, it prices a lot of people out, but, you know, growing up and going to see Middlesbrough in a, you know in a proper old old st- old style stadium um and when the crowd would surge forward and you were kind of swaying with the crowd and being a, being younger and seeing seeing the backs of people and trying to trying to find a gap to see the football through it was it was you know it was kind of amazing and also yeah a little bit scary <laughs>
1: <laughs> does your dad like music
2: me dad well my dad loves our music. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um yeah. again he he does love music in his in his own way and he, he he's um he actually does a lot of dancing. He does kind of this thing called Surok, which is oh, cool. um, you know, a, a sort of salsa and rock and roll kind of combined and he's he's danced at the um the Blackpool Tower in, in competitions. Um and, there's and there's no higher uh, honor. Well, this is it, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> he's took it, he's taken it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which, which is something that after he's kind of retired um, and whilst still at work, but getting older, um, it's been a good way for him to kind of keep fit. Cause when we were kids, I remember he did karate and um, me and my brothers ended up doing karate at the same Billingham karate club. And I just wasn't into it. You know, I I like the kind of discipline of of training and, you know, and sport, you know, I love, I love all sorts of sports and played for my school teams in basketball and football and the, you know, long distance running and the athletics team and all that kind of stuff. So any sort of sport I'll kind of enjoy, but yeah, um, I think when, when we were growing up, yeah, he, he would be going to karate and um, I would just think I can't, I can't do this. There's, you know, it's a bunch of Thirty-year-old guys who are sweeping me legs and splitting my arms open.
1: <laughs> How long did you go for? Did you go for long enough to do one of the belt level up things well, yeah, to I do did... the performance?
2: Yes, yeah, you do the kata, uh, <laughs> yeah, which was part right. of the wado ryu. Um...
1: <laughs> I can't believe you remember
2: these words. I, I, uh, I did it too, but I have
1: almost no memory. I know I, I must have done like three of these events, and I can't remember any of them.
2: Well, this is it. Yeah, I, I kind of remember some of the some of the names. Like the the sort of neutral stance was called mate, and uh, yes. uh, the the roundhouse kick was called a Mawashigari. Oh. <laughs> and All I of these kind of things. This is the thing. I, I went I went long enough to for it to be embedded in my uh, psyche for both good and bad reasons. Um, as I say, I'll never forget kind of being on the verge of tears so many times because they they would make you do, um, press-ups and I was like 10 and I've never done a press-up in my life. And it was, it was not fun. Um, it was, it was really kind of, kind of quite grim. And, and yet the people, some of the people who ran it were, were really great. And a lot of people like my cousins went and they they went right through all of the different belts and stuff. So I I did like a couple. So I, I had a white belt with two tags and I was just about to go for my green belt and I just I was ill and I so I couldn't go to the thing, to the uh, whatever you might call it, the sort of uh the where you the performance <laughs> almost where you where you do your little routine and go through all the all the motions and pass the exam. Um and I just I just never went back. I just said to my mom, i I really don't like it, you know. And she said, You don't have to go, son. And I think my dad was probably would have probably been disappointed at the time. Um, not that I recall that. I was just absolutely relieved to not have to go back to Billingham Forum and uh, the, the local sports center and ice rink and do that again. So yeah. but it, it kind of it kind of stood me in good stead because you know when you have fights and whatever at school, which I didn't have loads of fights because mostly because my, my cousin was really tough um, <laughs> and nobody wanted to have to deal with him. Um, but yeah, you know, the fights that I did have, I just kind of was, would just block and, and sort of know all the kind of blocks and people would just give up eventually. You never did so the
1: Mawashi Gary, no?
2: <laughs> I would. I, I, I think I probably tried and um, it just looked ridiculous. <laughs>
1: That was the best thing about being a kid, wasn't it? I remember I worked on a farm for a bit after I did some work experience at this place. And then I worked there on some evenings and, and Saturdays for a year or so. And I ha- hated it so much. It was terrifying. And all the animals were terrifying. And I just, you know, I just couldn't <laughs> adapt to it. And one day... Um, my my boss would would uh, routinely not pay me, and I was about to go and visit my dad in in London, and I needed to hadn't been paid for something like five or six weeks, so I went. My mother was picking me up, and I got her to go in and demand demand my wages, which she did very kindly. Came out with I don't know seventy pounds or something, which was more money than I'd ever seen before. And, um, I just never went back. (laughs) I never told them. I never, I never, you know, never called. I feel like that's the best thing about being a child, just, um, just being able to stop, you know, on a...
2: Oh yeah. I I, I was, um, a very short-lived paper boy. Um, and one, I, I, you know, wanted to have some extra money for buying records and probably buying, buying tickets to football matches. And, um, there was it was, it was winter when I started. So it was really dark mornings, didn't enjoy it. Um, and one morning it was, it was so icy and I was on my bike and I came off my bike and just went splat on the floor and sort of limped. This was probably pre mobile phones. So limped back to, to our house. And I think the, 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 um, the bike had actually buckled the, one of the, one of the wheels. And so my mom. Drove me round the rest of the the route, which was I was kind of halfway through or whatever, and um, some people saw me uh, being driven round, and that was that really. Um, at school, I was I was mocked as the guy whose whose mother drove him round his his newspaper route. Um, there was there was a good reason behind it, but it it just didn't you know. I was I was I was ready to walk away.
1: <laughs> when was the last time you just stopped something?
2: Hmm. That's, that's hard to say because, um, my, my commitments are, are all driven towards something that I really love doing. Yeah. Um,
1: maybe you've just refined I'll, then.
2: I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, the other day, there's a, there's a, we, the last video that Maximo Park did, I was in it by myself for the first ever time because it was a really simple idea of me just climbing up a ladder, um, a sort of infinite ladder for this song. I don't know what I'm doing off I'm a new record. And, you know, I look, I look like a little bit of a Wally in the film. You know, I'm supposed to be more and more distressed as I get higher. Um, and I was being sort of um, made up uh, to look like I was in tears and sweating really badly. And I actually was <laughs> because <laughs> the uh, when we were filming it, the, the the ladder was at a sort of 45 degree angle. Um, because of the the way it had to be filmed and it wasn't an infinite ladder so I just had to keep re- going back and climbing up this ladder but I had to look as if I wasn't pressing down on it so I was uh, essentially planking for yeah. the, the whole day whilst oh, climbing whilst climbing up this ladder um, which was in, intense and grueling and I felt like walking away from that one I just I was like I, you know I <laughs> This is not what I was, I'm meant to be doing. You know, I'm a singer. What would have um,
1: happened though, Paul, like if you, if you had just stopped halfway through the day and so I'm not doing it, it will, well, the, this is the it. consequences are too much to bear at this age, it is. presumably.
2: This is the thing I'm, you know, I, w- we would have had no video. Uh, I would have, um, a lot of people would have gone home and pro- well, they'd have got paid, but we, we, we wouldn't have got anything from, from paying thousands of pounds out for this f- video shoot. And I thought this, this is, this is maybe too much here. But following on from that, the thing that I stopped doing the other day was um, we made a little filter for people on Instagram so that they can climb up the ladder themselves. You just do your selfie camera, pop on the filter. And if you open your mouth, you climb up the ladder. It's, it's, (laughs) it's, it's, it's it's a bit of festive fun for people over the, over the Christmas break who've got nothing better to do than to scroll through the phones. Um, But I would, I, Somebody from our office um, is—I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm telling you secrets now—but somebody from our office had done it to kind of see if it worked properly and to get it on online. Um, and so we, we said, you know, this is a fan has done this video. Um, check it out. It's uh, its you know, use our new filter um, on Instagram. But uh, they'd act- actually asked me to do it, <laughs> and I said, but it'll just look like me in the video. So it won't won't have. You know, nobody will be able to fathom what's happening. That wasn't thought through. I don't think. Um, obviously, I did. I tried it, and it, and it, I just looked so stupid. And but it wouldn't. It wouldn't work. It wouldn't. It wouldn't um, go through. Uh, so I didn't send my video um, of me doing it. Uh, and I and I gave up after sort of forty minutes. I just thought, you know, is this is this what Bob Dylan does with his spare time? Just trying to upload instagram videos of him pretending to climb a ladder don't think so i'm also his
1: nobel prize in his spare time i think isn't
2: he yeah he just he just rakes it rakes in his publishing cash Um, that's
1: true i wonder what bob's doing i mean bob spends what it seems like he spends nine months of every year on tour doesn't it i wonder what he's done this year
2: it's known as the never-ending tour right and and it is so yeah i'm 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 worried for bob no wonder he's you know, I mean, he mustn't spend much money, really. Generally, while he's out on tour playing in arenas and getting all of his, you know, beans on toast made for him or whatever. I bet he's on
1: eBay all day now.
2: This is it. Yeah. yeah. Or, or Did you see that Rolling Thunder review film that was that was made by Martin Scorsese?
1: No, I haven't watched it. Is it is it good? Is it worth watching?
2: It's brilliant. Um and I, 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 if anybody's going to watch it and doesn't want to know anything about it, then Uh, mute mute your podcast for 10 seconds um but it's actually it's kind of it's it's a it's a blend of fact and fiction which i didn't know before i i I watched it and there's like people in this sort of rockumentary that aren't that are actors Um, oh
1: i didn't know it's it's
2: incredible it's like it's totally you know people are are getting getting head up about the the crown well you know they they want to check this out. It really is hilarious that he, he kind of has a, an almost straight face in it. And he's like, oh, this guy, I used to hate this guy. He was always hanging around. And you're like, you find out later, or at least I did, that this person didn't actually exist. Wow. Bob's just having a laugh, but there's, there's footage of him driving his own tour bus, massive <laughs> tour bus, which is again, mildly amusing for people who like Bob Dylan like me. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he'd be fine. I think he sold his, Back catalog the other day, didn't he? For some he amount of money, so he uh, he'll
2: be buying a few more tour buses. Wow,
1: well, yeah, crazy. Hey, I hear that you uh, well, I not hear, no one told me. I read about it that you once played football with a, uh, a man on the run from the law. Do you know, do you know what I'm referring to?
2: <laughs> I do, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm amazed, I'm amazed that that's uh, that that's you've found that. I I didn't want to, I didn't want to uh, dob anybody in, but it is pretty much 20 years ago now so i think i'll probably be all right um but yes i i used to play for um i, I won't name them but um i used to play for a pub football team in stockton and the team was was made up of, of an assortment of students like me probably two or three of us because my friends uh, my friends mom owned or ran the pub um which is how i kind of got involved in it. and you know the pub sponsored the shirts and you'd go back and have a, a pint after the, after the games. And um, yeah, we were, we were due to play in Port Clarence, which is, you know, it's a fairly, fairly rough area as well. I have to say. Um, And we were in our, we were in our um, car park, just waiting for everybody to, to turn up. And one of the players, again, I won't name him. (laughs) Um, He'd been uh, up to, up to something. And, his, his house had been raided and it was over the road from the car park and <laughs> we were like, Oh God, what's happened there? Um, cause as uh, there was, there was a few, as I say, a few f- students on the team, but mostly it was, it was people from the area and some of them were known to engage in criminal activity. Um, again, I'll say no more. Um, but yes, so this house had been raided door door was open. Um, had been kind of battered down and so we were just about to set off not assuming that our left back wasn't coming and he just turned up at the last minute in uh with it barefoot um needing some boots and uh, and, his, and a and a spare strip and he said you know I'm 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 going to play because my my dad lives <laughs> over the, lives over that other way where you where you headed so just uh, you know you give me a lift I'll play and Everything will be all right, um, and we were kind of astonished. Um, but that was, you know, that was part. Of, this was this was um, not par for the course, but it wasn't um, it wasn't that unusual <laughs> um, <laughs> considering the area area that we were in. Um, but so we drove we drove along this kind of long, lonely road out to Port Clarence, and it's kind of an industrial area just near the Transporter Bridge in Middlesbrough. And um, we were on this long road very straight and a police car suddenly w- kind of turned the corner and was between us in the co- in the convoy and the car that this guy was in. And we were just laughing our socks off, um, <laughs> just thinking how, how much he was bricking it <laughs> at, that, at that stage in the game and what, what, what chance it was that a police car would, would come. Although, you know, again, uh, you know, I think they probably did a fairly regular patrol around there. Um, but it, it was, yeah, he he played, Credit to him and I don't think I ever saw him again.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, did he face the music after the game? Maybe. Maybe that's what happened.
2: <laughs> I think he did, but we were we it was we were getting pelted by kids who were they were like throwing stones at our keeper behind the net It was it was a it was a strange day all around.
1: One of those games. Um there's something I want to ask you. Uh, that I've had a couple of musicians on in the last few weeks. I've, I've asked, um, I've asked those those people as well, because I'm very interested in the in the sort of crossover between football and, and music. But I think about it, I think of my dad because he grew up in in Harlow in Essex, uh, I guess in the in the sixties and the seventies, um, and he was, you know, by today's standards, just like a massive weirdo, and he had long weird hair, and he loved Neil Young, and I'm pretty sure he took a lot of drugs, but he also loved football, and uh, was a big Manchester United fan, and he played regularly, you know, um, way into his adult life as well, obviously at, at, at amateur level. Um, and I feel like by the time I was growing up, which was in in the 90s and in the 2000s, you sort of did one of those things. You didn't do both of them. And and personally, I was into music and I was a bit of a, a goth. Um, and even though I, I loved football, I wasn't really accepted by the football people. Uh, and as a result, I kind of fell out of love with it for, for some of my teenage years. And so I wanted to ask you about this. You're, you're about 10 years older than me, I, th- I think. But I, I wanted to ask you about when when you were growing up, whether you felt that there was any sort of um, limitation on what you were allowed to enjoy or whether at that time, you know, you were you were a football fan and you were a music fan and that was all, that was all fine.
2: Yeah, it was, I mean, I kind of, I can relate to that to that tale of um, not feeling um, like you fitted in with either bunch of people. I mean, I would say, I would say I, I was definitely more of the arty crowd. You know, I, I was, Doing, I was painting, and that was um, one of my stronger subjects. And English, you know, reading lots of books, and so you know, I clearly fitted in more with that with that crowd, and was diligent at my studies, which not all of my football team were. um, It has to be said. Um, And so, yeah, when I would hang out with my sort of arty friends, they would just, they would have absolutely no interest in football whatsoever and couldn't understand my obsession with it. And when I was, you know, on the, on the bus going somewhere with the football team, everybody else would be like mooning out of the window and, uh, which, you know, was mildly amusing. Um, but I would have my headphones on and I'd have a, you know, a music magazine, I'd be reading the NME or whatever. Um, and that kind of marks you out, I'm afraid. Um, and yeah, it was, I think I had a definitely had a tougher time, but I was so determined to play for the team because I, I could play football and I enjoyed it. And, you know, I, I kept getting picked. Um, I was, I was determined not to, to let the sort of slight abuse, um, go, you know, put me off playing and, you know, going back to what you were talking about earlier with parental roles um my mum would come and watch every every game that she could on the touchline um at my school uh when it was when I was playing for Northfield in Billingham and then she'd come to the odd away match if there was you know a friend of a friend of mine played for another school um she would kind of come and watch this sort of uh, grudge match between, <laughs> uh, between her and, her, and, and the other parents. Um, and you know, I, I, again, that was pretty unusual. Um, there wasn't really many mums on the touchline. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I was, I was unusual all round, I'm afraid. And so, yeah, sometimes on the, on the team bus, it'd be like, what are you listening to? You, you know, and when I used to play for the the pub team that I've just talked, talked about, it was, you know, I was known as hairy Paul, um, because I had long hair and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was, that was that really, it was, yeah. you know, you can't, you can't, you can't fight against these things too much because, you know, it, it's a bit of a laugh and the more, the more you act annoyed, the, <laughs> the worse it gets. Um, but again, you know, I, I was, you know, captain of the, of the, of the pub team and, um, you know, would, I was the top scorer and would, would be a part, you know, a big part of the team. So it was, it was one of those things. People couldn't, couldn't have too much of a go at me. Yeah. Um, it must have then, given you some you know, like
1: social credence, right? Particularly as you, as you got older, because you would have, people would have started recognising you as cool and also good at football.
2: Well, yeah, it's, you know, hard to say, hard to say, <laughs> hard to say at Northfield comprehensive whether that actually happened. No, um, sure. It's working out well, now though. It's worked, it's all worked out. But this yeah. it's funny how, how football has become, you know, very much a, a sort of um, a, a reasonably hip thing, especially in conjunction with, with music. So you've got like um, soccer AM is a, is a good example where it's you know it's it's music soundtracking the goals and you know, same with match of the day's goal of the month or whatever. There's a damn film. Of, yeah, you know, all, all, there's loads of crossovers, which there weren't really in my day. But, um, too t- there weren't too many crossovers, I don't think. I think the the sort of era of football becoming this really glossy product. Um, you know, it was it was a lot of football fans were kind of ostracised in the uh, in in the years when I was growing up, and that kind of changed just just around. Yeah, I guess when I was entering my teens, when sky pumped all the money into the the new new premier league um and just watching me watching how that's become uh the sort of be all and end all is is slightly irritating but also uh kind of funny really you know the way that it's like biggest the you know the top scorer in the in the premier league of all time and um it, you know it completely dismisses the the rest of football in history um which is weird and the same with you know the same with the champions league and you know you wouldn't believe that there was a european cup um before that or a uefa cup before the europa league and and you know that those those things are considering football is sort of based on history and loyalty and all these kind of tribal things it's it's amazing how that kind of um that money and product and big business and money as um as flip that a little bit, but it, you know, it, it it means that you, yeah, it's more acceptable to be into football and music. Whereas, um, yeah, that wasn't so much of a thing. And I remember being, but even in, even in my school, you know, I was in, I remember being in a German lesson, talking to a guy about the Beatles, um, who also was on the football team, a guy called Paul Walton. And people were like, Oh, you hippies. What are you talking about? Beatles for, they're just hippies. And, (laughs) You know, this is like 1990s, yeah, um, yeah. early 90s. It was, it was not the done thing to like the Beatles. And I remember when we first started going to house parties and stuff and it would be kind of chart music or, you know, somebody, uh, somebody might put on, you know, Mariah Carey or whatever, one of a sort of bigger ballads rather than some of the other stuff, you know? Um, and it was just a weird, you know, that was parties for you. People would put on their favorite music and then everybody would have a go at putting a song on and, you know, it was. I was definitely in the minority there as well. Uh, a little bit more, again, obsessed with music, and perhaps during this podcast, we're <laughs> coming across the fact that I, I have a, some sort of obsessive character. But yeah, <laughs> music, music was music and football and art. You know, drawing and painting. They were, they were the. Th- you know, when I when I like something, I tend to love it and you know collect things. You know, I would collect the the tickets. I've still got all of my tickets from every concert that I ever went to and every football match I ever went to as well, which again is, is pretty odd. You know, I'm, I'm in my forties now.
1: <laughs> could, could you do the best of both?
2: Um, yeah, I think so. I think when I was, when I was, when I was a kid, I would often have, um, on, not even when I was a kid, when I was, um, when I was probably more of a a, a, a teenager, there would be concerts on, and there would be, it would be on the same night as a big football match or there would be um you know I would be playing football um and there would be a, a concert that I really wanted to go to um and that was that became quite difficult um in and as I've got older I've I've taken the concert um over the football usually because my my legs have started to give up on me and the football has become less important but it was yeah I mean I remember actually playing it playing this is not necessarily that bigger um, dilemma, actually. But take that we're playing the uh, the local nightclub, and every everybody in the school was going. Mostly, a lot of the, the, the all the teenage girls were well into it, and yeah. but all the, all the teenage boys wanted to go where the teenage girls were going. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they were playing at like a local nightclub and their first sing. I don't think, I don't even know if they'd had an album out or whatever, but they were massive and, you know, everybody was getting, you know, getting the hair gel out and all that sort of stuff. And I went to play football in the snow for the school team. <laughs> and it was, it was a weird, it was like the only time that I think, I've, you know, you've played in sort of snowy games, but it was, we had to clear the pitch and I was like, shoveling shoveling snow off the pitch and somebody was trying to find an orange ball. Um, I think the, the PE teacher was trying to find an orange ball, but it was, yeah, we were obviously it was kind of amazing, but obviously, obviously the rest of the whole school was <laughs> at this nightclub having some sort of teenage experience.
1: <laughs> well, no disrespect to uh, fantastic performers. I think you may have made the right decision. The I don't know if you regret that nowadays.
2: No, I, 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 je ne regret rien.
1: <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the
0: official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash Courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream
1: on Hulu. Yeah, I was sorry, I was going to ask you what's the best concert you've you've ever been to.
2: Ah, oh, that's 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 re- that's really difficult because yeah. I like I like so many different kinds of music and you know, on different days different ones would pop out. What if it's just
1: one where you're stood up instead of sat down, does that narrow it down?
2: Well, I'm I love sitting down these days, I have to say. Me too.
1: It's the best those are the best kind of gigs where they they've are, got the seats they're out. Yeah, are great. Yeah, oh, small, I love them.
2: small room, lots of seats that'll yeah. do. I'll um, only
1: go to the Barbican. That's it. I know they're comfy.
2: <laughs> exactly. No, that's it. Royal Festival Hall. We we played there actually on our last album tour on the Risk to Exist album tour at the Royal Festival Hall and you know, it was just it was amazing because I, I'd I'd been there to see Tony Bennett, which was you know definitely one of one of my greatest gigs because I'd I've loved Tony Bennett since I was a teenager. Um, again, mark again mark, marking me out somewhat from the crowd at school. Um, but I would I would tape stuff off. He was on it, the re the real reason was because he'd had a kind of crossover, um, thing with MTV, and I was well into sort of grunge. And he'd turned up on an awards ceremony and I think was was presenting one of the awards. And I was like, this guy's really good. You know, I love this kind of crooner style, um, probably because it was slightly antiquated. But I, re- I ended up really loving Tony Bennett and listened to his music quite a lot. And just, again, that kind of old school, um, great American songbook stuff leading, led me into stuff like Ella Fitzgerald and, you know, incredible singers. And the older that he's got, there's this great grin in his voice. And I remember seeing him at the, yeah, me and my wife went to see him at the Royal Festival Hall. And we were one of the youngest people there um, in our little box, um, waiting for him to come out with the Ralph Shannon trio. Um, and it was just, you know, I felt like I was kind of watching a piece of history as well, because he's, you know, he was like 80, I think 80, 80 odd when that, when that gig was on, I think he's, he's just had his 90th birthday, I think. Um, and he actually couldn't remember some, you know, sometimes um, he couldn't remember a couple of the, the lines um, in the songs and stuff. And it was just, it felt so human. Um, but also he's such a great entertainer and he's done it, you know, thousands and thousands of times before. And it's ingrained into his, his, his body um, and, and his, in and his memory and all of those kind of things And just being in this beautiful building that was designed, you know, for the great, great exhibition of 1951, this beautiful place. Um, When we actually played there, all those kind of things were going around my head. There's like a Steinway in every dressing room and they had all the posters backstage. Um, So, I mean, I mean, that's one, that's one of my favorite gigs because uh, that that I've played myself just because um, six albums down the line, you feel a little bit more relaxed in, who you are and what the performance is going to be like, you know, that you've got a, 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 an amazing fan base who keep coming back and, you know, giving you top 20 records and that kind of thing. Um, you feel like there's less to prove in in one sense, but in another sense, there's so much to prove because people have seen you on six other album tours or seen you at festivals. And if they keep coming back, you you don't want to let them down, which again feeds into maybe something that, is inside that kind of Tony Bennett kind of style of performer and entertainer, somebody who wants to put on a show. Um, so yeah, another, another one that kind of stands out might be, um, we played Glastonbury and we'd done our bit and we watched Neil Young and Bruce Springsteen, um, from a, from a great distance. Um, and it was just incredible because it felt like, again, you know, Neil Young I've loved since I was a proper, um, t- you know, sort of, I was like te- just a teenager and got into Neil Young and dredged up my mum's Neil Young records um from, from an LP collection and his Harvest Moon record had just come out. And then I went through all of the different um permutations that he that he's has, has on his music, the kind of louder stuff, the quieter stuff, the strange synthy stuff that he did in the 80s this great great record Trans, which is um, just a real outlier, It's really and so weird. Actually, it is. It's it's odd, um, and he's he's a, he's an oddball. You know, he's a, a true kind of maverick in his own way, and his guitar playing is just immense. So to be to to actually see Neil Young playing a kind of greatest hits, um, and you've just played again. You know, like my you know obviously my dream gigs are you know, I've, 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 I've done most of them, you know, and to be, to be there on a weekend where you've, we opened Glastonbury and then we, in a little tent, and then we actually played on the other stage or whatever it was. And just to know that you've, you know, you've done your bit, you've done your best and to go and watch other people who are doing it and be on the sort of, you know, on the, on the, at the same festival as these people, you know, like Bruce, Bruce Springsteen had, this it was on the it was on on the bbc this kind of famous image which you could see from from quite a distance away of him sweating so much that steam was rising off him in the spotlight <laughs> and you know, you know and he's you know he's got his <laughs> he's still he's still you know in shape um so this kind of bloke old bloke who's just plowing through these songs with with um zeal and determination which is kind of part of the whole Springsteen kind of thing um and you know it was it, that was that was a good weekend I would say
1: yeah do you know I've seen Neil young I think more times than any I've seen any other act and every single time uh, it's I mean it's always outside and always a you know some kind of massive festival day or something. And I don't know what it is that he's doing, or if they just turn the guitars up a bit louder than they do with everyone else. Because it's not, he, you know, he's not, he's not hitting the guitar physically any harder. But there's something about the way that he plays. It just like there's no other word for it. Like it just, it just rocks more than any any other live act I've ever seen. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's just inc- it's just incredible.
2: Well, so many people have been kind of influenced by that guitar tone. And you will hear you will hear people doing a kind of Neil Young choppy thing, and you'll go, "That's the Neil Young guitar sound." And it's the, I think he still uses the same amp that he's always used, and it's, <laughs> he's got like two or three of them, and he's got the same roadie who just fixes them after every gig, and they're just absolutely blown blown out to bits. Um, but it's this kind of yeah, this fifties probably um, Fender Fender amp. And he still got his, you know, his his classic um, Gibson that with his whammy bar and all that kind of stuff that he carries around with him. And he's, I actually, <laughs> I read, I read um, when I was when I was young and didn't really enjoy practicing guitar or or you know dusting it or anything or keeping it in any particular good condition. Um, I read that he he never changed his strings un, until he had to, and he had like these rusty strings. And so I've used that now, still now as the excuse for never changing my own strings on my electric guitar unless I really have to. Um, and loads of people who I come across um, who who have to deal with my guitars or you know a friend like my friend Paul Rafferty who's played bass with Maximo Park um, and was in his own band Hot Club de Paris plays plays great great guitar player. Um, every time he, he would he would come and stay with me when Maximo Park were practicing. Um, a few years ago until i'm until i moved and had a baby and um all that kind of stuff and he would always play my guitars and just go paul man when are you going to change these strings <laughs> disgusting <laughs> but the thing is <laughs> this is this is going to sound pretty um pretty much like i'm 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 defending myself already but i do have very clean hands <laughs> well it's perfect for a pandemic things might be a little old and and knackered but they're you know i'm i'm again I, I could i could be quite ocd about about this um so i think that this my hands are always clean when i play the guitar but i have i've known a few people who haven't changed the strings in my time who don't who maybe aren't aren't as hygiene happy as i am and th- they were pretty grim so, uh, you know that's that's a different thing that's a different just just so the listeners know
1: <laughs> well um you know, you said before that uh, you feel six albums in, and you know your concerts are a lot more relaxed, and that totally comes across in in the new album. I think it's like I genuinely think it's really, really amazing. Uh, so, thanks for sending it to me because it's been it's been lovely to listen to. Uh, I know you've got to go for dinner now, but it's it's been very nice to to, to talk to you, Paul. Thanks very much for for coming on. No, my
2: problem, George. is
1: Well, that was that. I uh, hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. I very much enjoyed talking to Paul. Great guy. I think you'll agree if you've made it this far in the uh, in the podcast. Um, and I just wanted to wrap things up by saying thanks so much to everyone for listening this year, 2020. It's been a great year for TIFO. It's been uh, transformational for us, uh, us who work here. As you've probably noticed from me repeatedly plugging, uh, we became officially part of The Athletic back in April uh, and everyone's been working exceptionally hard to try and improve TIFO and, and, and increase the number of, of uh, pieces of content that we can release on a, on a weekly basis. Um, we started... Our state of the club series. We released our second episode on Chelsea recently. The first one back in September on Arsenal, and that was that's been really really fun to do. Um, you know, we've tried to stick true to our original our original principles as well, and tried to cover um, you know a sort of wide array of stuff for. Uh, what is TFO's international audience? So, if you are a um, a listener to this podcast, uh, regular, or if this is your first one, thank you very much for um, for participating. Because obviously, it goes without saying, but we couldn't couldn't do this without uh, an audience of people who are hopefully interested in in, in what we're producing. Um, we won't be back uh, this week, so I hope any of you who are celebrating Christmas have a very merry time. Uh, those of you uh, who aren't, for, for uh, re- reasons of uh, culture cultural religion, or just that you hate Christmas, <laughs> that's fine. I hope you have a lovely normal time, normal week. And uh, you probably heard the motorbike there, sorry about that. Um, and we will be back as of January, where well, we'll be talking about sensible transfers. Um, not expecting many teams to buy anyone. Because of you know, money and stuff. But uh, hey, that's not going to stop us talking about who they should buy. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna be doing that, and we'll be very much looking forward to it. So from myself, from Alex, from Seb, uh, from all of the guests who've appeared, from producers Adonis and AD, uh, and from everyone at Tifo and the Athletic. Uh, thank you very much. Um, hope you have a have a Merry Christmas or just a normal good week. And um, we'll be back in 2021, which promises to be uh, another year of all of our lives. So there we go. Um, Thanks very much. And uh, ta-ra for now.